Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights. With your host, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. Today we have a guest, Aaron Sherman, the CEO and co-founder of 750. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Happy to be here. Thanks, guys. I was wondering if you could give us a little background on yourself and also why you started at 750 and what exactly 750 is. Sure. So my background, personally, I uh, came from a restaurant and wine family and then went on to work in the industry in a whole variety of roles, mainly in restaurants, until I was working as a sommelier and beverage director in New York. Worked at a couple cool restaurants out there, WD-50, Bartuzzi, and headed out to California and was a beverage director at the Bazaar by Jose Andres at the Celeste Hotel. And then immediately after that, started the company. And my co-founder had also worked in the industry, Gianfranco Verga. He had been on the important distribution side and then spent a bunch of time in New York as the cocktail scene in the you know kind of early 2000s was really burgeoning there. So we both, as we were getting started in the industry, just saw right away that there had to be a better way of doing business than using pen and paper, which was really the standard at that point. Distributors, sales reps would come in and drop off a printed price book with you know, their product catalog and you would search through things and try to figure out what you might want to taste or buy. And then orders would get communicated on a phone call or a fax or in person, maybe an email. And yet technology was blossoming all over other industries and absolutely in our consumer lives. This is around 2008, nine when we first started conceiving of it. So we really thought that there would be ways to vastly improve the way that people worked in the industry, but really also the visibility that all parts of the supply chain could have in terms of how products was even bought and sold. Maybe you could give us a brief like workflow or, or example of how a retailer uses the platform so we can kind of map that out in our minds. Sure. So it all starts with an individual buyer or sommelier, beverage director, whoever might be first accessing the site. They can create a personal login that they then attach to a liquor license. We have a database of all the liquor licenses across the country. Uh, and that will give them a location based on the zip code so that we can then put them into the marketplace and show them just the set of products that are available to them from the distributors that are selling in their local geography. From there, they have full access to all the portfolios that are listed on the site. They can search within a specific distributor's portfolio. They can search broadly across categories, across all distributors in the market. They can pinpoint a specific product and try and figure out who distributes it or reference pricing or availability. And from there, there's a bunch of different ways that they can interact with the products on the site. They can build lists of items that they might want to share internally with their team or with a distributor if they're requesting samples or just want some more information about them. Or they can build an order online build multiple orders online across all their distributors and with one click, send all those orders off to the reps or in the instances where we have a direct integration to the distributor's backend, you know, that order can just get processed immediately. In addition, they can do things like send credit applications to distributors with one click. So we kind of took the concept of the universal college application and applied it to credit apps <laughs> so they can put all that bank information and reference information into one place and then anytime they want to spin up a new relationship just click a button and distributor gets all the signed forms that they need we also have an events calendar that lets them know about local 
trade events that are happening or, or now you know virtual tastings that might be happening across the country. Well, the way I understand it, it's an online platform for like distributor price books, right? Their or their catalog, which seems like that should be a no brainer. What do you think took the industry and distributors so long to even get there and adopt that kind of thing? Well, I think for a lot of people, there was a resistance to the kind of transparency that would come along with publishing that information. It hadn't been done. And so nobody had evidence of the ways that it could benefit them to have their portfolios out there more broadly. I think also for a lot of them, it was kind of a, it ain't broke, so don't fix it type of situation with the three-tier system you know, regulated the way it is. They were in a position where they could kind of continue doing business as normal. And so you know, for us, when we were working with them in the beginning, it was really about communicating a vision of how their operation could improve, how their interactions with their customers could benefit from kind of getting this information out there and putting it front and center for their customers and their reps, really. You have multiple customers, right? In terms of the primary customer that you went after, is that more on the restaurant side or more on the distributor side? Yeah, that's a great question. Our intention has been from the start to build software solutions across all parts of the supply chain. But we did take a unique approach in that we targeted distributors first. And the primary reason for that is because of the way the supply chain is structured and regulated, where products essentially have to be passing through the distributors before they can reach the retailer and the consumer. Of course, DTC makes up a small part of that that's different, but you know, by and large, that's how the system is working. And so by targeting them first, you can really get a comprehensive view of supply in the U.S., which then powers the marketplace functionality that we ultimately wanted to build out between distributors and their customers and off-premise retail. One of the benefits of that strategy was also that as we worked with more distributors, they would be able to drive customers to their portfolios online, which would in turn create demand for additional distributors to be on the platform as more of the retail customers started using the platform. You know, people who know 750 know it as an online marketplace for buyers or trade accounts and distributors. But I think your vision is more of a it overall tech and data company for all three tiers. Can you tell us what that means? The three tiers being like suppliers, distributors, and retailers? Yeah. So the element of working with the distributors that is most difficult is really the integration to their source of truth around their product availability and pricing, whether that's QuickBooks or SAP or other large ERPs or every system in between. And so in order to create a marketplace that can have a kind of modern UI where you can search by different facets and attributes and kind of quickly drill down on content, you have to solve that integration and data normalization piece first. And so what we've been able to do is build what's really the largest product data library that's available in the country where we have metadata attributes about geography hierarchies and grape varieties and packaging types, as well as that content augmented with marketing materials and descriptions or views about the product. And so that foundational data set is what powers the marketplace, but it also powers the software tools that we have been able to spin up for suppliers, for distributor sales reps, most recently for off-premise retailers, being able to offer them white-label e-commerce infrastructure. And so not only is that kind of data set powering the software, but we're also generating data through the engagement with the different software tools. And all of that can be used to kind of provide better insight 
for all parts of the supply chain in terms of how people are buying and selling. So most marketplaces need to get to a certain scale in order to be successful businesses. And also, you know, these problems sound like they exist across the country, not just in one area. So I'm curious on how big is the 750 platform today in terms of the size of geographic expanse as well? Well, we were lucky enough to be the first mover in the space when it came to introducing a kind of modern web-based technology platform to the three-tier system. And so that has allowed us to build what is the largest online marketplace for wholesale alcohol, largest technology platform across the three-tier system in the U.S. So we're operating just about every state. There's a handful of states we're not in yet. We work with over a 1,000 distributors, over 100,000 on- and off-premise retailers, thousands of suppliers. And you know, overall, we're generating this year in 2020 probably about a billion dollars of GMV through the marketplace. So I think that makes us the largest online marketplace across consumer or trade at this point. For those who don't know what GMV is, could you define that? That's gross merchandise volume. So essentially the sales volume that's passing through the marketplace from retailers to distributors. So maybe we can talk a little bit about how the online marketplace works and for the different constituents that use it. So with regards to the wine buyers, how does 750 help them find and order the wines they want to buy more efficiently? For on and off-premise retail buyers, one of the big challenges that we saw in the beginning was that not only were you working off of printed price books where your ability to kind of explore the information there is somewhat limited or at least really inefficient, but when you want to broaden your search and understand at a category or price point or any other attribute level what's available across the whole market, maybe even across distributors who I have not had any contact with yet, or if I'm exploring a large portfolio from one of the bigger distributors and I'm not familiar with what's in kind of the long tail of their portfolio, this really gives the opportunity to have all of that information consolidated in one place with all of the content and information that I mentioned before so they can educate themselves about what they want to buy and then ultimately place the order online so they can consolidate all of that ordering into one workflow that goes off to their sales reps and you know is reliable and gets integrated into the you know distributor systems. So I could see a couple different use cases for buyers one where you know they're just searching a category and trying to see and learn about that category and others where it's more I've heard of a brand and I want to buy that specific brand. Do you see one happening more than the other? That's a great nuance between how it's used, and that's absolutely right. People will just about 50-50 split the type of searching that they're doing across discovery category level research and referencing either who distributes a product that they're looking for or just referencing availability or pricing for something that they may have purchased previously. And one of the key elements of wine sales that I've heard of and one of the key functions of distributor sales reps is sampling and and trying the wines. Does the platform enable that somehow? That's actually one of the key pieces of functionality that we focused in on very, very early on in the beginning of the company was ultimately being able to take advantage of that same product content library that I mentioned previously and being able to spin up software solutions on top of it. So for not only the customers of the distributors, but also for their own sales reps, we were able to provide them with an access point where they could view the entire market and see the competitive set and you know the other products that were in the market, but also explore their own portfolio with the same level of granularity 
that a customer would to be able to reference items that they are selling, get you know tasting notes or descriptions about those products, and then be able to transform all of that into tasting sheets, proposals, digital order forms that they could either leave behind with the customers when they went to actually do a tasting at the establishment or that they could send along afterwards. And then actually attached to that is a lightweight CRM where they can track what they brought to accounts, what the buyer's reactions were to the products they tasted, set reminders for themselves for follow-up. So there's a lot of engagement. There's around 35,000 sales reps across the U.S. that are you know, having access to these tools. And I think in a lot of markets, it's become something of an industry standard where buyers kind of expect to get one of these leave-behinds or follow-ups that has all the information about what they tasted together. And I'm curious, how does 750 actually help distributors sell more wine? I get, it's very clear from the retail perspective, the value add. I think there's a number of different ways that they benefit from it. One is just the access to the customers. So at this point, you know, we've scaled the platform to over 100,000 retailers across the country. And so in any given state, there's a pretty strong concentration of customers And so there's exposure for the distributors that we work with to buyers in the market. And it really lets the buyers discover products inside of a distributor's portfolio when they are in the context of searching for a particular category or price point. So often we hear about buyers discovering products inside of a distributor's portfolio who they already work with, but they didn't know that they sold this particular German Riesling because it had never been shown to them before or they never kind of looked there previously. So now as they're able to kind of broadly search across the market, you know, it opens up possibilities for discovery. In addition, just the tools themselves that we provide to the reps and managers help them operate more efficiently and with a lot more transparency into the selling process so they can make more informed decisions about their sell strategies. I'm curious on how a distributor who wants to launch a new wine brand in a set market, how they can use the platform to help them gain traction with that push. What are some of the tools that are available for that? Well, first and foremost, if they're trying to form a strategy around a particular brand or SKU, they have access to the information about the other distributors that are in the market. So they can get a really clear sense of what the competitive set is. On top of that, they, they do have this set of tools that let them go to market and you know have their reps kind of bringing out information in a consistent manner, given that the information they're using has already been kind of standardized on 750. That's also a benefit to the brands who now have a way for the distributors representing them in the market to make sure that their messaging is what's front and center for you know, the reps collateral that they're pushing out to the market or the buyers that are on there searching and discovering something for the first time. And in terms of brands that often run promotions that seem like they're kind of bespoke by that relationship with the rep, for example, like buy the glass pricing or free goods, depletion allowances, are those things that are possible to be seen on the platform as well? We give access to some of the deeper information around discounting to the sales reps. And often that is limited for only that segment. And so it's up to them how much they want to expose to the buyers through the sales process. You talked about 
putting orders in online and, and through the platform. Some of my friends who use the platform, their experience was it was more, and this may have changed over the last few years, but more of like an order request. It would just basically send an email to a distributor requesting the order. Then the distributor would then like call them back again and then, you know go through mm-hmm. the whole normal sales process again. Has that changed recently? Or if it hasn't, what's holding that back from being able to do that? There's a whole variety of ways that orders get processed on the site. So for certain distributors who have the capabilities for it, we can actually integrate those orders directly into their inventory or whatever truth of source they're using. For other distributors, it will be an email that goes to the rep. And from there, the rep will either place that order internally themselves or communicate back to the buyer if there's any changes or updates to the order that need to happen. And for other distributors, we actually offer an order entry tool for them that they can use to input the orders themselves. And so sometimes an order will come to them through another channel that's not the 750 Marketplace, but then they'll use the software to kind of input those orders. In addition to that, we're really focused on integrating to other third-party systems where orders might be getting generated so that we can provide that efficiency back to the distributors of having a consolidated workflow for receiving orders. But, you know, there's still a lot of ground to be made of our active users. You know, we think there's somewhere around $10 billion of order volume and kind of purchasing decisions that are made on the platform today. And we're really only capturing about a billion of that through the actual orders being placed on the site. There's a lot of behavioral changes that we anticipate will continue over time to help drive more of that online ordering. Digging into the behavioral changes a bit, sometimes you hear these stories of, you know, the restaurant owner or the bartender who, you know, they don't deal a lot with online platforms and and things in their daily life. And they prefer just to text or call their local distributor rep. Do you see those preferences and things changing over time? I do anticipate seeing that change occur over time, but there's still a significant portion of the market when you think about buyers specifically who do not use an online tool whatsoever for their process. And so that actually is something that we've also built some functionality around because although the online marketplace is the core of our business, we really are a service provider to all parts of the supply chain. So we help distributors actually create PDFs of their portfolio that they can generate with a single click using the clean consolidated data that we have about their portfolio so that if they need to email something off or even print something out and give it to a customer, they have that ability. In addition to that, with the recent deal that we did with the Beverage Media Group, who has a print publication that actually consolidates all the distributor portfolio information in several markets across the country, that's still a major resource for a lot of buyers. And so we've been able to help create a more efficient process around the creation of various print materials. But that is still something that we expect to see in the market for a while. When I think of marketplaces, a lot of times, because the paradigm of the different types of users varies greatly, they often have different functionalities for different classes of users. And I'm curious on if you've customized the functionality for distributors or buyers or suppliers differently for each of them. And if you feel like one area is like, you think that's the standard and the other areas, you still feel like there's a lot of work to happen and more functionality to develop. Like you had mentioned that sometimes people aren't using anything digital and people are using your platform to fill in things that they got from other suppliers that weren't on your platform. Like That's a great sign that those retailers are actually finding a lot of benefit from your platform because it's all one-stop shop. I'm curious on how you would equate the functionality between those different users. 
when you think about a supply chain that is as complex as beverage alcohol, there's an almost infinite number of improvements that can be made. So we are in the mindset of constant innovation. We invest really heavily in engineering and R&D and we're always introducing new functionality. You know, some of the places that I think we've done a really good job is with independent on and off-premise retailers. You know, I think the use case for a lot of them is pretty well established on the site, given the aggregation of the portfolios and the searchability and the communication tools that are there. When you think about chains, you know, they're often using other pieces of software, and that's where a lot of the integration that I mentioned can come from. For suppliers, we've really only scratched the surface with functionality for them. So basically what we provide to an importer or a domestic producer is the ability to claim their products on the 750 platform, consolidate that to a single record across all the distributors who might be selling it, and then publish additional content, information, sales collateral, digital assets for e-commerce into one centralized channel so that all the reps who are selling it have access to it. So that all the retail buyers who are seeing it in the marketplace have access to it. But the amount of functionality that you can imagine being valuable to suppliers over time, you know, we have a lot of creative ideas for kind of where we'd like to take that. I have a retailer account on 750 and we don't pay for that. What's the current business model then for 750? How do you make money today? So we are a subscription-based software revenue model. So the distributors pay a subscription fee for different parts of functionality that they use. Suppliers can pay a subscription fee for functionality they use. We've just introduced a new tool called 750 Storefronts which is the white label e-commerce tool for off-premise retailers. And that will be subscription-based as well. We do a small amount of advertising that generates some revenue, but really for the most part, we focus on software subscriptions. And the reason for that is we want to be completely aligned with all of our customers. We want everyone to be able to be invested in the growth of the platform and not have a concern that our growth is going to lead to a decrease in their margin. And do you expect that with your new or future roadmap of features that you're going to be launching or functionality that you're going to be launching, do you expect that that ratio to change in the future in terms of areas where you're charging or able to make money from? We definitely have plans to introduce additional functionality for on-premise retailers, like I mentioned, for suppliers, a whole range of additional features that would be able to get monetized in, in the same way through subscriptions. You talked about having one of the biggest data platforms in the wine or alcohol beverages space in the world. One of the big pieces that I always think about that's missing from the data that's collected today is volumes for like restaurants and specialty retail stores that aren't covered in scan data or direct-to-consumer. Does the 750 platform have much visibility into this? We're just beginning to get that visibility now. A part of the 750 storefronts tool is that we allow for seamless inventory updates from point of sale. So that's requiring us to build out the infrastructure to create point of sale integrations that will start to give us access to some of that sales level data. And we agree that that's something that is going to be extraordinarily valuable to the industry as a whole and also for the retailers themselves to have better visibility into what they're selling and how their sales are comparing to their own competitive set you know, regionally or across the country. So this year, 750 acquired Bridge, an off-premise 
e-commerce platform focused on wine stores. What was the strategic rationale behind that acquisition? Bridge was a great company, scrappy, small team that had been working on building out white label e-commerce sites for off-premise retailers for the last two years. And they had actually done some M&A themselves and acquired Tipsy and Drink, which were two native mobile app providers for off-premise retailers. So they had a lot of great tech that they had been working on and hadn't quite launched yet. And through our deal with the Beverage Media Group, who also had a similar product, but we were looking to update the tech, being able to bring the two together was just kind of a perfect timing and perfect opportunity to kind of accelerate bringing 750 storefronts to market. So it's the combination of both Bridge and the existing websites, customers that are kind of constituting 750 Storefronts Foundation. And a lot of times when you acquire two different technical companies, putting their functionality together doesn't always work out so well, but it seems like this was a, a pretty good marriage. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of challenges that come with trying to integrate not just one, but two companies simultaneously, especially when we're a fairly small, scrappy company ourselves. We're just under 100 people now, you know, after both deals. And so we've learned a lot through the process, but fortunately, everyone has a shared vision that's really kept us focused and I think has led to a lot of the success of the early integration now. With Beverage Media, does that bring more of a media advertising or media focus to the company and the strategy? I could kind of see maybe how 750 might be like, a yellow pages of sorts for the wine industry with beverage media. Beverage media has such a long history of representing distributors in the market and had a ton of really strong relationships across the board, but the editorial component to their publications was extraordinarily complementary to 750 daily, which is the online publication that we launched in 2017. And so by bringing together the online editorial, print editorial, we've been able to really create a strategy where we can help brands or regions that are trying to market to the trade, you know, have something of a, a full funnel sales and marketing platform to advertise against. So we can reach people all the way at the top of the funnel when they're just learning about products or regions, read content about them. And then we have variety of ways through the publication, through different ad channels, and then through the platform itself in the software to kind of help them reach the types of buyers that they're trying to tailor their products and their marketing to. You brought up an interesting topic, the 750 daily. We see a lot of different tech platforms. I'm thinking about like even Wine Searcher has editorial content and things that get published. What's the point or like why is that so common? And attractive thing for software companies? I think for software companies generally, if you can create authentic, compelling content, it can go a lot farther than the traditional content marketing, which can feel a little forced and kind of salesy. So I think in terms of building audience and just getting more people exposed to your brand, it can be a really valuable strategy. For us specifically with 750 Daily, a big part of it was that we first of all, saw a gap in the type of trade coverage that was happening and wanted to introduce something that would be business-centric, but also focused on the culture of the industry and something that would be accessible to all members of the trade. So not just the C-suite, not just the sommeliers, but really everybody in the three-tier system. And so being able to build 
community around that was really important to us. But then also for the business application beyond just audience building, you know, being able to have this channel that we can now introduce brands into you know, help run marketing campaigns for suppliers and distributors who are trying to reach the trade and kind of hit that full funnel strategy that I mentioned previously. So, you know, obviously you guys are a tech company in the wine space. Technology changes really, really quickly. And I think of the wine space in general, the wine market a little traditional or antiquated. And so you're trying to basically bring light into the darkness. And I'm curious on what have you seen with regards to other wine software innovation? And has anything surprised you? It's been incredible to see how much it's proliferated over the you know 10 years or so since we started. Like I mentioned, we were pretty much the first movers here. And you know, the first five years, there was still not much that had been introduced. And over the last five years, you've seen this explosion of new software. And what's really interesting about it is a lot of the tools are very niche and very focused on a particular segment of the industry and their specific use case. So you might have a really specialized inventory management system, but it's just for on-premise bar managers. And you might have another that's focused on large chain on-premise inventory or CRM for suppliers that's just focused on the beer side and really everything in between. And so one of the things that we've kind of been excited about is, you know, how can we think about consolidating a lot of that onto the platform that we've built given the scale of our data integration and our audience. So that brings us to sort of what's next for 750. What does the future look like? Well, we've laid a lot of foundation over the last 10 years since we've been in the market. And we feel like the opportunity now, given the attitudes of people in the industry, some of that has even been more accelerated by COVID and everybody's need and sense of urgency around getting online and adopting the best online toolkits. We think there's a lot of opportunity to kind of grow the product lines that we have available now. We're also, like I mentioned, always building out new functionality and thinking about where we can add more value to the whole supply chain. But in addition to that, you know, we think that more M&A will be in our future, looking at some of those more niche technologies that I was just talking about and seeing how we can bring them into the 750 platform. With every guest, Aaron, we always ask a wrap-up question, and you have more data at your fingertips than any other guest we've had on the show. So I'm curious on what you see as a lasting trend and a fizzling fad in the wine industry. Mm. Lasting trend at least that I'd like to see would be the virtual tastings that have popped up since COVID. I think it's really cool that a brand or a distributor, a sommelier, whoever wants to kind of reach a much broader audience now and share their message around the brand or share the experience of tasting together, that that can happen no matter where people are located. I think we've seen a lot of success with people running those types of tastings. Also, there's just more comfort with Zoom and all the different tools that are used to let people just pop on and join something like that pretty quickly. In terms of a fad, I'd have to say hard seltzer. But that might just be me projecting my personal desires there. You think it's going to go the way of Zima? <laughs> One can only hope. <laughs> Although Zima had a great return. So. You got to strike while it's hot. It's, just, it's, it's all about the White Claw knockoffs that will probably pay the price. Well, I want to thank you, Aaron, for joining the show. I learned a lot about 750. And for people who are listening that maybe aren't using it or want to know more, is there someone that they should reach out to and contact? I think the best way is just to go to the website. It's www.750.com and it's 750 spelled out. 
Thank you for joining the show, Aaron. It was a pleasure to have you and learn more about 750. Oh, thanks a lot. It was great speaking with both of you. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.